Hello, and welcome to Yikes. That's amazing. I'm your host, Pearl, and I tell stories that are creepy, crazy, and that keep you on the edge of your seat. And I'm your host, Nathan, and I tell stories of positivity, inspiration, and determination. We are best friends. We're roommates, and we're here to tell you some cool stories. Welcome back. Welcome back to episode Welcome back seven. Welcome back to Nathan. First Welcome of back all. to me. Welcome back. Hello, from Hawaii. hello. I just got back from a trip to Hawaii, which was incredible. Uh, had some record-breaking rain, but uh, yeah, it was Can't still get amazing. And we got some sunshine too. Lots of hiking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'll get a little bit more into that as I talk about my story. Heck yeah, dude. But yeah, no, it was it was amazing, and I am exhausted, but I am very happy to be back and the cold rainy chilly weather of washington but hoping for some snow sometime soon to get we're, in the we're real hoping mood for a white christmas, christmas. Yes. yes it's gonna happen it's, it's gonna, gonna happen. happen okay and you cannot tell me otherwise you can't tell me anyway so really looking forward to that snow i don't know about you guys yeah i'm um, not looking forward to driving in it but i am looking forward to making snow angels and going sledding and maybe I some snowball fights who knows i'm ready for everything and I'm yeah. ready to cry at how much joy it brings me. Anyway, I could talk about that for a long time, could but go on I and on won't. and on as we sit next to our little Chris, our Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Our yeah, <laughs> our Charlie Brown Christmas tree is the exact accurate way to describe it. And if you could see, maybe we'll post a picture. It's we very it's Charlie Brownish. It's basically and we love it. Yeah, it's Charlie Brown Christmas tree just like enlarged. Um, so it goes <laughs> You'll know along with mean. the like chaotic vibes of our house. Yes. So yeah, it's perfect. We've got our little fake fireplace on the tv crackling in the background oh, it is so cozy vibe. it is amazing um, um, pretty much had that on 24 7 yes i i keep the vibes going you got to keep the vibes going but i think we should probably just get right into it because yeah. it sounds like both of our stories are, are a little on bit the long little today on the longer so side so let's do it i'm gonna start just to get you guys really fucked up and sad right off the bat Woo-hoo. this is a very strange story um, I'm just going to get into it. So my story, my sources for today are Murderpedia, Film Daily, BBC News, All That's Interesting, Wikipedia, and The Chronicle Live UK. We're taking it back to the UK. Taking it to the UK, love. Is that a British accent? I, yeah. Is that like trying to be Australian? I don't I know. I feel like that was a weird hybrid. Ugh. Anyway, starting out on May 26th. In 1957, in Corbridge, which is a northeast area of the UK, a 16-year-old sex worker named Betty gave birth to a baby girl. It was her second child, and she named it Mary. From the get-go, Betty hated Mary. Oh. She yelled at the hospital staff as they tried to place the newborn in her arms, quote, get that thing away from me, Oh, Yeah. That sounds like, what's her name from Shameless? Um, Oh, Karen. Karen from Shameless. Yeah. true. Um, so Mary lived a childhood where she was unwanted, neglected, and both verbally and physically abused. Although Betty was not often around because she would travel to the city for work when she was around. Mary was just so accident prone when she was hanging out with her mom. Oh, yeah. That she would constantly have accidents and she was just so clumsy Quote, unquote. (sighs) Yeah. Only when Betty and Mary were left alone together would these things happen, though. So she would get into these 
quote near miss type situations, but only with her. Only mom. yeah. Um, only in those one few occasion, times. Mary fell out of a window, a f- like oh. a first story window. She just tumbled out, and she was like pretty young at the time. I mean, any time falling out a window is not good. Yeah, not good for your health. But. Um, and then Betty literally tried to overdose her own kid. On what? I, I mean, don't. I didn't that it didn't say what it matters, was, but. but yeah, she literally Jeez. tried to drug her kid to death. Oh my god! Just constantly stuff like that, and she just hated her. It's really sad. So there's theories that this was like a Munchausen by proxy type situation where Betty just really liked the attention she received when Mary got injured. Yeah. But I kind of feel like she was just a straight up shitty ass person. I mean, yeah. I mean anybody who is doing Munchausen by proxy as well I is, think is she, pretty yeah. shitty person. Oh but God. It's just so sad. Um, in one source, I read that Betty tried to give Mary away to a random woman who was like mentally ill Ooh. and couldn't have children of her own. Um, so she tried to do that. And then Betty's sister basically had to track the baby down and return her to Betty. Jeez. Which I was like, just keep the fucking baby. Yeah. Dude. Like if you clearly if you care about the baby, you should probably not give it back to your sister. Because yeah, your sister's like constantly trying to kill it. Yeah. Ugh, who knows? Maybe the baby would have been better off with the other lady. It's just really sad, though, because clearly this child was not cared for yeah. at all. The actual identity of Mary's father is not confirmed, but basically her dad is, like, a criminal. He's okay. just not a great guy. He's semi-around in her childhood. Oh, interesting. But, like, neither of her parents are good people. Well, yeah, that makes and sense. And that... Definitely shows in Mary's young childhood. Um, so for childcare, it was basically whoever was around. Nice. Which is the best way. Yeah, exactly. And although multiple members of the family repeatedly offered um, to adopt, basically to c- take custody of Mary, Betty was like, no. Even Wait, though she so she hated would get her. It, give it to a random yeah. lady, but she wouldn't give it to one of her family members. Like, you will literally try and shove your kid out of a window, but you won't just pass it off onto someone else? Yeah. That like, seems if a it's lot easier a than burden, having to deal with, like, a possible murder charge for killing your own child. You would think if it's such a burden for you to, like, have the child and take care of it, and you have family members that are offering to take it off your hands... Literally, think like, multiple times. Yeah. Girl. She was obviously not in her right mind. No, so. she was not. It's pretty sad. So, um, yeah. I just said, to be clear, I do not think that Mary is a problem. Like, <sighs> Betty just passing off her problem on someone else. Yeah. But it would be better for everyone. Exactly. Um... So Betty was a dominatrix and she would encourage people to perform those kinds of things on her daughter. I was hoping that wasn't yeah, where that was going. It's really bad and it sucks that that's part of the story, but that's an important background yeah. information detail. So that kind of shit does not, it's not good for a developing brain. No. It's so, not good for any brain. Uh, when she was growing up, she lived, Mary lived in Scottswood, which was just a suburb in the UK. And it was a pretty rough area at the time. Crime was commonplace, and many of the children were latchkey kids, which, do you know what that is? Yeah. It's basically just like 
they're they would be left to their own devices like they would come home from school let themselves in like the doors weren't really locked and they would just kind of come and go as they please because their parents were both working and yeah whatever um so in a town that's known for just crime and like you know, a lot of fucked up shit, Not and all these kids just are just wandering. literally running rampant, doing whatever they want. Um, Mary was known to have a terrible and unpredictable temperament, especially as she got older. She was a pathological liar, disruptive, and frequently tried to fight other students. She, uh, I also read that she was a chronic bedwetter into adulthood, and... Do you know anything about like the psychology? I've heard about that, but I don't know the specifics of it. Um, there's research that persistent bedwetting past a certain age can be a sign of trauma or sexual trauma. Yeah. Um, there's also this thing called the McDonald triad, which is which can supposedly indicate if someone is going to be a serial killer in their childhood, which is chronic bedwetting, lighting things on fire, and hurting animals. Um, Good. So I just wanted Great. to like throw that in there because she was definitely starting off getting getting into it yeah um so because betty was the best mom ever she would further humiliate and traumatize mary by when she did wet the bed she would hang the sheets or the mattress outside and stick mary's face in it like for everyone to see just to literally humiliate the shit out of her can you imagine so horrible yeah um, but Mary, <laughs> she never had a chance, but also not everyone just becomes this much of a monster at this young of an age. She literally tried to block a young girl's windpipe with <gasps> sand. Mary did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's like 10 at that point. Oh, geez. She's a vandal. She's a thief. She's a girl boss. Is what <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's boy. not a girl boss, but she no. was literally... And you said all that was, like, by age 10? Oh, yeah. So, um, let's see. Obviously, this behavior does not make her any friends. Everyone's just kind of scared of her, and they're like, fuck that girl. She's yeah, that's a little scary. shove sand in my windpipe. So, she begins to hang out with a 13-year-old neighbor girl named um, Norma Bell. So, this her name is Mary Bell. Oh, this girl's Norma Bell. Cute. No relation. But, you know, kind of quirky. Um, So I couldn't find too many details about, like, Norma's specific, what was going on with her brain. But she was kind of said to have low intelligence. And she uh-huh. was older than Mary, but she wasn't nearly as quick-witted as Mary. So, so I'm assuming that made She really it took easy. advantage of her and kind of dragged her into all oh of her no. fucked up shit that I will now tell you about. Um, so Mary was younger, but she was literally cruel and psychopathic. Lovely. So, yes. On May 11th of 1968, Mary's about to turn 11. She's 10. A, three, a three-year-old boy was found wandering in an area of Scottswood, bleeding and confused. Turns out, Norma and Mary had been playing with this boy on top of an old air raid shelter when Mary had pushed him off the edge, which was seven feet high. Oh, my gosh. This kid's three years old. Yeah. Obviously, he gets pretty badly injured. Yeah. Um, so his parents just wrote it off as an accident because they're, like, not thinking that some young girl's trying to murder his child. He's, like, an actual psychopath. And then, the next day, the parents of three young girls come to the police and say that Mary tried to choke 
the kids out, all three of her girls. She tried to choke them. So when questioned, Mary denied doing anything, but Norma told the police that she had watched Mary attempt to throttle each of the girls. Nice. That was the word she used, throttle. Classic. So basically due to their age, nothing really came of this. Um, Because it's kind of unfortunate. Basically it was just like everybody. What are they going to do? Yeah, I mean, they're. 10 and 13 like and what? especially like this was the, you said like in the 60s or yeah. so yeah mm-hmm. so yeah so basically everyone is like aware of how crazy this little girl is but there's like eh, Not well, what are we gonna do about it do. she's 10 years old like yeah this is where it gets extremely fucked up so forewarning trigger warning for like child murdering and mutilation and that kind of thing um so in scottswood there were a bunch of old abandoned houses that the kids would play in because like duh if there's abandoned houses kids are gonna be playing in them them. no supervision again obviously so on may 25th the day before her birthday in one of these houses mary kills four-year-old martin brown by strangling him to death she really has a thing for asphyxiation Seriously, his body was was discovered that afternoon around 3.30. A couple of boys that were just trying to play. In an abandoned house. In an abandoned house. Traumatizing. When the police came, they noticed that Martin had some flecks of blood and foam at the mouth, but there were no other obvious signs of violence. As someone was performing CPR on the boy, Mary and Norma show up at the scene. Oh, because they're just quirky girls. Yeah. But like, hey, obviously the people here? there but who are like y- tending to him are like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, the They literally go to the door of Martin's aunt's home, the kid that Mary just killed, and tell his mom, or I think it was, sorry, they tell his aunt. Aunt. Uh-huh. We think that one of your sister's kids was killed. We just don't know which one it was. Like, just taunting her. Oh, my gosh. So not only did she murder the kid, she purposefully went to a family member of them to just see their reaction. Also, they were playing chicken, and Mary went to his family's door and asked to see Martin, and his mother kindly and gently explained that he was dead and mary was like yeah i know i want to see him in the coffin oh my gosh yeah fuck this little girl i'm sorry uh, actual psychopath yeah i mean not that that wasn't evident by this so point but they ended up ruling that death as an accident um because they found a pill bottle that was empty nearby and they uh-huh. were like it must have been a oh they thought overdose, that it was an overdose like, can't you Overdosing? Yeah. Also, I feel like even back then they would be able to test for drugs yeah. in his system. I know. I was kind of like confused. Through but, an autopsy you know, or lo- something? Like later they find out. Oh, okay. Yeah. This like, girl is she's psychopath. crazy. She did this. So the next day, Mary is caught by Norma's father trying to choke out one of his other daughters. Trying to choke her to death. And he's like, what are you doing? And he literally like had to slap her arm and be like, stop choking my kid jeez and then later that night norma and mary went and vandalized a local nursery they wrote notes on the walls confessing to the murders oh um and a few days later on the 31st the new alarm that had been installed after that happened 
the alarm was triggered. So when the security people came to check in on it, they found the girls just kind of like loitering outside of the building. But of course they were like, we didn't do anything. And they and just, were she's sent still on like their way. around 10 years old at this time. Right. Um, or is she, she a older? just turned 11, just turned 11. And so it's like, what are you going to do about a couple little girls just loitering outside of a building? Like, exactly. And the police just thought that the note on the walls was like a stupid prank. And again, even if they didn't think it was a prank, they're probably not going to think this 11 year old girl is murdering people. Yeah. Um, so they were sent on their way. Um, and then on July 31st, about two months later, a three-year-old ni- named Brian Howe went missing. His parents had seen him playing outside with the family dog, one of his siblings, and then Norma and Mary. After he did not return home return home for some hours, they were like, where the fuck is our kid? And like there was a big search. And his body was later discovered between some concrete slabs that were sitting in a vacant lot. He had been strangled and mutilated with a pair of scissors and a razor. There was literally an M carved into his torso. They didn't find that out right now because it was covered up. But they determined that it was probably done by a child because the force used to strangle him wasn't very strong. Wasn't strong, strong uh, as strong as an adult would so have been. So they were like looking for a kid, and a lot of children were questioned. Um, let's see, but the trail quickly led authorities to Mary and Norma. I was gonna say, is it with her uh, Mary activities ended up of implicating recently. herself with something she said to the police, and they were like, oh, ah, okay, uh-huh. Uh-huh. okay. So on August fourth, the police were contacted by Norma's parents who said that she wanted to confess to what she knew about the crimes. Mary had led her to the spot of Brian's dead body and demonstrated how she had strangled him. She also led Norma to the spot where she had hidden the razor and the razor used on Brian. Mary was visited by police early the next day, but of course she denied having anything to do with that. And then later that day, Norma gave an official statement actually admitting that she had been present when Mary was strangling Brian. And at one point, Mary had asked her to take over for her. Like, hey, can you come finish strangling this guy? And Mary had, uh, Norma just fled. She was like. Good for her. (sighs) Good for her. Yeah. I mean, obviously she was a part of a lot of fucked up stuff. Yeah, but again, she was found to have low intelligence. And Mary was really just, you know. Using her. She probably didn't have many other friends either. Yeah. Um, both girls underwent psychological evaluations. It was determined that Norma was intellectually delayed and easily manipulated while Mary was intelligent and cunning. Yeah. They found that she had psychopathic personality disorder. Shocker. Big shock. During her trial, Norma defended herself, denying any action in the death of Brian, Brian, but that she was aware of Mary's violent tendencies and the two had discussed hurting small children. So that's not great. One question, she did admit that when she fled the scene where Mary was strangling Brian, there was a nearby group of boys that she could have alerted, but she didn't. She said she wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Yeah. Which, you know, I can get that. And she's also like, I think they said she had, yeah, they said that Norma's mental age was rough, that of roughly a nine-year-old, even though she was 13 or 14 at this point. So, yeah. And then Mary's just like, 
probably had the intellectual age of much older than 11 by that point. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day, Mary testified for four hours in her own defense. She denied having anything to do with killing either of the boys and, in fact, came up with many stories blaming it all on Norma. Oh, wow. She made up stories that she had lured, that Norma had lured Brian in with the promise of candy, stuff like that. Like, all this stuff, just completely taking no part in it, blaming it all on Norma. And it's like, Jesus. It kind of sounded like she was ready for that. Yeah. So they did say that Norma's mental age was only that of a nine-year-old and that even though her understanding of right and wrong wasn't advanced, she still was able to grasp enough that the behavior she was participating in was criminal. Yeah. The defense for Mary gave their closing statement, stating that because of the trauma and abuse she suffered as a child, she was incapable of grasping reality and was basically living in a delusion. That makes sense. Yeah. On the 17th, on the 17th of that month, after the jury deliberated for three and a half hours, they came back with a verdict. Norma, Norma was acquitted completely, and Mary received manslaughter due to diminished responsibility for each of the boys. So we talked about that a little bit in the Diane Downs case. Diminished responsibility basically yeah. means that at the time of the crime, she wasn't sane. Okay, okay, that so makes sense. So as deplorable and horrific as all of her crimes were... I do think that this was 100% a nurture situation. I was going to say, and this she is was more nurture so versus young, nature. And she literally, she was just given no chances. And like, to be so well, I'm sure doing all sexually abused at yeah. that young of an age and just having your mom try to kill you all the time and stuff, like, that's not good for the old psyche. No. And I was going to say, I'm sure, like, obviously during all of that that she was doing, her mother was still doing those things to her. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. And she lived with her mom and dad during this whole time. So, yeah. Um. So, yeah, it sucks because two boys were taken because of it. <sighs> so kind of sounds like mary was sent around to a few different detention centers um at one she claimed she was sexually abused by staff this is unconfirmed but i really wouldn't doubt it because that kind of stuff does happens and honestly people who are i feel like it's always the people who have been in these situations before and have been sexually abused and stuff like that they just keep getting shit on sometimes and it's terrible so i hope that's not true hope yeah as terrible as what she did nobody deserves yeah nobody deserves to be sexually assaulted so in 1967 while in a light security prison mary once again became part of the news when she escaped the prison with another inmate the two spent the next several days using assumed names and hanging out with a few different men exploring town and just having a grand old time oh wow um, the two eventually parted ways and Mary was discovered by herself at the home of one of these men a little bit later, having dyed her hair. She was taken back into custody and as punishment, she lost 28 days of privileges in prison. Bitch, the, the fuck? The, yeah. What? Like, like, why are you even, like, why bother? Yeah, just <laughs> breaking out to just like, <laughs> beep boop around town. So, over the years, um, as they were preparing her to be re-entered into society, she had learned some skills in prison and worked a couple of jobs under supervision outside of prison 
to further prepare her for her release. So after serving for 11 and a half years, Mary was released at the age of 23 and granted anonymity. She was granted total anonymity so she could just change her name and go live her life. Um, And she had a daughter actually four years after she was released that would have no idea about anything about her mom. Like, well, she knew her mom, but she didn't know about her past until 1998 because reporters showed up at their house because they found her. Oh, my And they were taken under protection and, like, relocated because people were, like, finding them. Yeah, coming in. So I would assume that, like, she didn't continue murdering people after no, she got out. Um, I mean, there's like not very much known about her because again, because uh, yeah, she has an like, anonymity. Yeah. But she has, as an adult, like closer to now days, uh, admitted that what she did, like she ad- fully admitted to everything she did, and also said that like it was wrong. There's no excuse. Yeah, that she knows it was terrible. So. Kind of sounds like she became somewhat of a better person. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, yeah. I hope that she has I mean, it made a recovery. I mean, it sounds like she was somewhat given the chance to, like, actually have a real chance to, like, rehabilitate in prison. and. Yeah. And I wonder how much of this would be different if her mom had given her to another family member at a much earlier age yeah. and been able to mm. have a better living situation. Ugh, God. Who knows, though? Because that kind of comes into the whole, like, nature versus nurture argument is, is it just embedded in somebody or is it the product of how they're raised? Oh, God. Yeah, when you grow up with your mom just being like, I fucking hate you. You suck. Um, Can't do any good for anybody's psyche. And, like, what they were saying was she was basically living in a delusion. Like, that makes a lot of sense. And it honestly makes me really, really sad to think about this young girl just, like, in some weird psychotic like delusional Delusional state yeah Yeah. god anyway so that's my fun story of mary bell the child murderer i would definitely say that is uh the most gruesome of the ones that you have told thus far (laughs) and honestly that's not as bad as what the other one that i have to tell you next so nice so i'm still like trying to hold off but i'm like i can't hold off for long there's (laughs) a lot of really fucked up stories out there you guys there really are and i love hearing them (laughs) (laughs) i know you do so but now we're gonna lift everyone's motherfucking spirits bring this i almost said 360 that would just be in the same direction let's pull a 180 (laughs) And we are going to talk about my story. So, for I don't m- want to. Oh, okay. Just kidding. All right. So I'm the my episode's story over. Now. Oh, oh, second story. Okay. Me, yeah. me, me. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. Go on. Anyway, shut up. Um. All right. So for my story, I am going to be focusing on the Polynesian Wayfinders. Ooh. This will take us back a few thousand years, and it will cover a significant distance, tracking their migration as they discover new lands and brave the raging seas. Um. Some of the information is more <sighs> speculation than proven fact. Um. As as is stuff that's multiple thousands years old exactly yes this is like ancestry dating back exactly we haven't oh really God, done uh fun. like way back and i history. love raging seas raging seas oh my God, get I'm me ready going for this. so i'm so excited <laughs> um seas anyway. get me going <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, so some of it is more um, speculation than proven fact, um, as people have like paired their stories with artifacts that have been studied by archaeologists. Mm-hmm. Um, I got uh, my information from a documentary on the Timeline World History Documentary YouTube page. Uh, the documentary is titled "The First Men to Cross the Oceans." Oh my god! Yes. Wow, I'm so exciting. excited. Um, so my inspiration for this story came from my recent trip to um, the Hawaiian island of Oahu. Um, I had the incredible opportunity to accompany my friend Michaela and her family on their trip to the island. And I want to give a specific thanks to her parents and her grandparents for their generosity and hospitality on the trip. I never would have been able Shout to out. make it without them um, because um, I am just a poor little lad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just a little lad um so and their knowledge of the island um was also made the trip better because they've made quite a few trips themselves there over quite a few years so they had they knew a lot of cool places to go i got my own little tour guide so um we were pretty much hiking every day with the exception of a couple of days that were particularly rainy uh we're from the seattle area but even this was a bit much yeah i was seeing videos of this and i was like holy fuck yeah i literally had people texting me while i was there being like dude you all right like i've been hearing like news about the storms over in hawaii and a lot of people were asking me if i was caught up in a blizzard but that was in the main island at like the top of a mountain so (laughs) like no i was not caught in a blizzard Um, but with I did think it was hilarious though that you were having such an insane rainstorm there. Like it was right like, when of we got there, and for the it was for like I mean the main rain was for like two and a half, three ish days or so. But it was like f- the first five days we were there were pretty stormy, and it was really windy after that. Stormy, 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 storm. But we received uh, twenty five inches of rain in just two days, so it was pretty freaking crazy and there was like brown water warnings which basically means that there's just like a bunch of stuff washed from the rivers into the um ocean so you literally just can't go swimming um so yeah i didn't go swimming as much as i was hoping to yeah it just sounds like a poopy toilet bowl um but yeah even michaela's parents and grandparents um who like have been there quite a few times said that they had never seen weather quite like this on their previous trips and we were watching is it the climate change yeah yes All it right. is i just wanted to put that in there yeah no it definitely be aware is. be aware um and we were watching the weather channel while we were there and it seemed like it was like pretty record setting for the locals as well so it it was Yee-yee. yeah it was a lot Um, regardless, we had an incredible trip and I got to see some of the most incredible sights I've ever seen and swim in the warmest water and snorkel with fish and coral and sea sea anemones. (laughs) I always say that wrong. I always say, I always want to say anemones, but it's anemones. 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 Yes. What did I say? Enemies. (laughs) <laughs> no, I didn't. Sea enemies. Sea enemies. <laughs> I mean, okay. they are pokey Anemones? and they're scary. Anemones. Yes. Anemones. Okay. Um. So. <laughs> super important detail. Super important. That is the most important detail of my story. I just think of um, uh, Finding Nemo. Anyway. Anemones. I said that a lot on the trip. 
Anyway, okay, with all that said, I'll get into my story. Um, so we start on the island of Babase off the coast of Papua New Guinea. Um, when the Polynesian ancestors first inhabited this island, it was already inhabited, um, but they settled anyway and remained for a few hundred years. Um, archaeologists are able to determine this timeline and the beginning of their journeys from here based on pottery dug up in archaeological dig sites around the island of Babase. Um, this also determined their arrival on the island by carbon dating and differentiating their pottery patterns from the um, pottery of the original inhabitants of the island. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the pottery from the island's original inhabitants dates back 30,000 plus years. It said like 30 to 50,000 years. Holy so that bitch. that was the original inhabitants of Babase, not the um, Polynesian ancestors. Um, but yeah, the, that's a long, long time. Yeah. Um, So traveling long distances by the way of the ocean was not common practice at all at this time, but the wayfinders were expert navigators. Starting around the second millennium BC, the wayfinders began their journey branching out from the island of Babase. Um, starting with the exploration of Bismarck Archipelago, from there making their way through what is now called the Lupita Corridor. The Lupita Corridor includes islands such as the Solomons, New Caledonia, Fiji, Tonga, the Marquesas, and Samoa. Damn. The distance traveled through the corridor by the Wayfinders covers more than 2,000 miles, or 3,218 kilometers. So that's a, a long, long Wait trek um and so they would kind of like it wasn't like they found all of the islands in one straight line because they kind of if you look at a map of it it's kind of it's not like a straight line but it does kind of branch out from um from Babase, like somewhat in a straightish line um the migration of this corridor spanned through the time period of about 500 years during this, the Wayfinders, originally starting out as Lupetians, became Polynesians by over time evolving and adapting to their new surroundings. Mm-hmm. So they when, when they like wow. left from um, Babase, they were Lupetians, but as time went over, they evolved into what is now right, Polynesians. Right. Um, which I thought was super cool, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, that's some don't crazy tell me that shit I, to me. I'm like, don't tell me that like any sort of evolution isn't real. All like right. obviously, like I mean, people adapt have to adapt to the new places that right. they um, humans are crazy. Humans are crazy, and crazy. over time, things adapt yeah. and and evolve. I mean, it takes a long time. Yes, it takes like, a very very yeah. long time to do that. Like I said, this was over 500 years. Um, But um, as they evolved and grew as a people and a culture, so did their methods of cooking, changing from the old methods using clay pottery to to changing to earthen ovens. um, This actually made it more difficult for archaeologists, archaeologists to archaeologists um, to track the timeline of their migration through the Lupita Corridor. Um, without the remnants of their clay pottery left behind, archaeologists have had to uh, have had a hard time um, searching out new ways to track the migration of the Polynesian people from then on out. Um, it is not known which of the islands in the Lupita Corridor were first to be settled by the Polynesians, um, but there has been speculation based on stories passed down through generations that the Marquesas were the first to be settled. Some people have a hard time believing that's true because the Marquesas are the furthest 
east um, of the uh, out of the islands in the corridor from Babase, um, which is like over to the west from the rest of the islands. Um, and the distance and supplies needed to make this journey would be immense. But the wayfinders were incredibly determined and very skilled. So I honestly wouldn't put it past them that they made it out to the first islands, uh, the farthest islands first, and then from there yeah. kind of like found the rest because they kind of went back and forth between Babase and mm-hmm. the other islands as they were like finding all of them through the corridor. Um, so yeah, it it was. That's I wouldn't put it past them to make to that think up. about like people actually just discovering shit and like well right like discovering unknown like islands because that will never happen in our no. lifetime like you I mean, can obviously they're finding some shit but it's like everything has been explored yeah any every like m- mainland has been explored exactly not like, like we're finding new territory or yeah anything. but um what do they say is it uh, alaska is the final frontier just because it's like so snowy and high up there and i mean also like the um like north and south pole and like uh antarctica and stuff but like there's not you know we've already found it we know it's there right we know it's there exactly (laughs) um but yeah so regardless news old news fake news anyway um regardless of whether the marquesas were the first to be found or not the wayfinders continued to venture outside of the lupita corridor um, their next mark was a long journey. It was a thousand miles away from any neighboring islands and two thousand miles away from the Marquesas from which they set out. Um, that island that they sought out was Easter Island, oh. a very small remote island that seems impossible that anyone traveling from two thousand miles away without modern technology would ever be able to find it because Easter Island is. Not a very big island. Um, I yeah, wish I had looked frig? up the like square mileage, but uh, it's not. It's right, very small. Right. Very tiny. Um, so obviously, Easter Island is most noted for its statues resembling large human faces. Uh, the biggest mystery of these statues being the method in which they were moved and placed around the island. However, Easter Island is not the only island of which the Polynesians had inhabited that had similar statues to these. Most of the statues on other islands were not the same in look as those found on Easter Island, some being much smaller with more rounded faces, um, and some being carns, which are just like piles of rocks. Yes, do you have a question? <laughs> I do. I just want to know if Easter Island heads make you think of Night at the Museum Always. as much as they make dumb, me dumb, think give of... me gum gum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Because okay, they're, I just I do. had to mention no, that. But yes, they're obviously so much more than that, gum but that does one, give gum, come yes. to my mind every time I anyway. hear of Easter Island and I'm, I'm sorry but <laughs> yes um, so sorry where was I um, <laughs> when you so rudely interrupted me with that um, so yeah so um, some of the other um, similar statues are uh, like smaller with more rounded faces and some are carns which are like piles piles of rocks but all um, all of these statues and carns uh, were with the purpose of remembering their ancestors. So okay. that's what the the meaning behind um, the Easter Island heads and such mm-hmm. are. Um, soon after the discovery and settlement of Easter Island, the wayfinders would uh, then set their sights north. Uh, we cannot be a hundred percent certain of how the wayfinders came to the conclusion that land was to be found in this direction but it is speculated that they began tracking the migration patterns of birds headed north and came to believe that there that more land resided in this direction 
Um, and they were correct. Uh, whether it was by tracking, uh, by the tracking of bird migration or otherwise, the wayfounders found their way to the Hawaiian Islands. Um, mm. This obviously was my inspiration for the story. Um, I was trying to find um, stories of inspiration related to Hawaii, and I found an article um, by Steve Bloom on the Do Something Cool website about the Wayfinders, and I was absolutely hooked. And I got to literally research this whole story like while I was in Hawaii, right. so I was like, cool. So this is literally how this island that I'm on was found mm-hmm. and how the people came to settle on it. So that was awesome. Um, so the journey took place uh, over the span of about 400 years of them trying again and again to find these islands, which I would say holds merit to the idea that uh, of them tracking the migration of birds. Yeah. Because birds are obviously able to move much quicker over open sea than boats, so it would take a lot of time year after year for them to track um, the birds um, that were heading there and mapping it out like with the stars, uh, mm-hmm. which was their uh, lar- large part of how they found things was mapping things in the night sky with the stars, and mm-hmm. which is so cool. Also, Ugh, I watched so Moana cool. for the first time while oh I was in God. Hawaii. Wait, you've... I had, ne- I had never oh seen God. it until now. And I mean, oh my it's God, amazing. did it warm your fucking it heart? Did. It really Jesus. did. And so, and then like when I was, um, researching this story like obviously a big part of moana is like going across open ocean in ocean canoes and mm-hmm. like and like Literally origins like of yeah it's the, the ah, yeah that's so, so yeah that was super cool so uh, like as i was researching this i was just thinking of moana and like i was like oh that's <laughs> that's so cool Aww. um yeah so that's uh, that i would say that that is probably a solid guess of how they would have found it is the migration of the birds and that's why it took them that long yeah but 400 years of going back and forth just trying to find these islands now we use gps when we're going 10 minutes away from our oh yeah (laughs) yep i know i i absolutely evolution am i right (laughs) Uh, what is uh um what is the term that i'm thinking of uh um Survival of the fittest. Ah, yes. And we will not survive. We will not survive. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. And as you know, I am the absolute worst with oh. direction. Um, yeah. We have lived in our house for c- we're kind of coming up on two years now, and I can barely find my way around also, where we live. He's lived here for that long. I lived here before, and he came to visit me often and visited often. things near my house often. <laughs> and he still yes. can't figure it and out. And I still and the I city's love on it the grid. The it's city's on the grid. It's just so classic. But the si- it's a fucking grid. Anyway, I'm like I don't know which streets are east west and which ones are north south, and I don't know. I don't know them by that. I just find my way. You around. just know them. And, just know and them that because doesn't I make drive sense them. <laughs> I know, but my, my uh, anyway, it doesn't anyway, matter. Anyway, quirky okay. boy things. Quirky boy things. All right, so archaeologists have narrowed down the timeline of um of when the wayfinders first settled uh started to settle on the Hawaiian Islands. Um, it is estimated that the first signs of human habitation and influence are seen around 1,500 years ago. Um, so good amount of time. Yeah. Um, but that was about uh, 3,500 years after they had settled um, on the island of Babase. So there was a significant amount of time between that settlement, right. them going through the Lupita Corridor, making their way to Easter Island, and then finding um, 
finding uh, Hawaii from there, which they went from, they didn't go like from Easter Island to Hawaii. They went from the Marquesas. A lot of the different islands that they found in different lands that they found, it wasn't like they just went dot to dot and found different places. It's like they were settling along the way. So there were wayfinders on all of the islands that would go out and search out new lands. So it's like sometimes they would leave from this island. Sometimes they leave from that island. Um, so bada bing, bada boom, bada bing, bada boom. Um, so they are able to determine this timeline by digging up remnants of non-native snail shells, among other things, that have remained in sinkholes in the islands. Um, I snail shells, snail shells, Holy yes. Fuck. And so they um, they carbon date these snail shells, gauging the date of when the non-native snails first appeared on the island compared to those of the native sh- uh, snail shells, um, as well as other changes to the environment from human influence. In Hawaiian legend, it refers to a more recent date of settlement than the 1500-year date, um, but some say that this is referring to a second wave of migration to the area. Um, in these stories, they also talk about, like I was just saying, voyages between the Hawaiian Islands and other islands inhabited by the Polynesians. So they were kind of going all over the place when they'd find some new places. Um, In recent years, um, these ancestral stories um, have inspired modern day Polynesians to brave the same voyages their ancestors took between islands. Um, Although they can't be 100% certain of the exact design of the ocean canoes used by the wayfinders, they are able to base it off of materials that would have been available at the time and and the journeys that the boats would need to withstand to make their best guesses of what they would look like. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I thought that was super cool that they're just like taking the journeys of their ancestors. I wish I I had ancestors that I could follow their journeys. Uh, That would be incredible. I mean, I have ancestors, but I I wish I had I wish I had ancestors. (laughs) I was just kind of like, what was was it? Immaculate Inception. Yeah. (laughs) What what was it? Immaculate Inception. What was that thing that happened to Jesus? Um, What was the thing that happened to me? What was that thing, that quirky little thing I did? (laughs) 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 Anyway, anyway. Okay, so after conquering the previous voyages to Easter Island and the Hawaiian Islands uh, from the Lupita Corridor, the last of the new lands to be discovered by the Wayfinders was uh, Aotearoa. I hope I'm saying that right. It's A-O-T-E-A-R-O-A, Aotearoa. Um, now, which is now known as New Zealand. Um, they would embark on this final expedition from the island of French Polynesia. Um, from there, they would go to the Cook Islands, and then from there, uh, reaching New Zealand in the South Pacific. Um, it is once again speculated um, the finding of this new land was product of tracking bird migration headed south this time versus north. Um, This journey would prove to be a little trickier than those previous as the waters that far to the southwest were not the same tropical waters um, that the land uh, of the lands that they were coming from. Um, So they eventually made their way to New Zealand, um, which was the last of um, last of the new lands that they were discovered that they had discovered. It's not certain why New Zealand was the last of the ones found by the wayfinders, but there's speculation that um, it was like with the 
growth of their population and the changing and dynamic that that entails that could have stopped them or slowed them down um or they believe they had just found all of the new land there was to find and they were content with what they had done um regardless the distance of open ocean traveled and the amount of new lands found is absolutely incredible uh, the area covered between um, Easter Island to the southeast, Hawaii uh, to the north, and New Zealand to the southwest is called the Polynesian Triangle, and the amount of open ocean within the triangle covers the landmass of both Europe and Asia combined. So just Whoa, let that, sink that like in. slightly gave me chills just thinking about like like in the olden Asia days, is huge, and this isn't oh like just like God. traveling like on land. Open it's open water, ocean, which is so terrifying. To this day, with modern technology, I would be so scared to take a boat ride that. Well, long. I mean, I'm just scared to take a boat ride. Oh yeah, but <laughs> I'm scared to take a boat ride in like a lake. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like even when we get on the ferries in Washington, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> and it's just like sink. in a bay. It's not literally, even in the it's ocean. Like, Girl, calm down. <laughs> it's like calm down. This is literally going to take you like 30 to 45 well, minutes. Well, now we'll just think of the wayfinders when exactly. we, when we have those thoughts. And yes. We'll be like, oh like, my God. We're not having to we'll cover like, the landmass of Europe and Asia. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. So that is wow. the story of the Polynesian wayfinders I and how Hawaii was it. discovered. Yeah. Wow. I think that's one of my favorite ones that you've done so far. Right. I was honestly one of my favorite ones to like look into and research and um, because... Yeah, I mean, especially since I got to be where a lot of these events had taken place. I was kind of sad. We were talking about going to the Polynesian Cultural Center while we were there, and I wish we had. The tickets were a little um, pricey, but we're hopefully planning a trip back to Oahu next year. And if we do, I really want to go to the Polynesian Cultural Center because it's like an all-day event where um, you like Fun. just learn a lot about their culture and then you get yeah, to... Yeah, I feel like um, that's a really cool thing to do if you're going to go visit anyway yeah. just to like learn as much as you can about the culture so yeah and uh, like Michaela and I lot, the whole time we were there we were like it feels like we're in a different country while we're here and it's obvious it's mm-hmm. like uh, from Seattle to um, Oahu it's 2657 yeah. miles over open ocean and like that's basically like going to another country it's like that far away right um and with the climate Not to mention, and, yeah exactly yeah exactly and so it's uh, i was like uh, I, I was just thinking like I don't know. They probably don't also want to be associated with America. I don't want to no, be associated no, 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 with America. No, 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 no. And there's like, <laughs> there's a lot there, which we can talk about. Maybe I'll tell some fucked up shit about what we've done. Yeah. To here, the so Hawaiian we people. need to do like a fully history episode. Oh, and honestly, yeah. I'll look into it because there's some shit. There's, um, there's, and obviously, yeah. there's still a lot of shit with the government fucking oh, Hawaii yeah. over. Oh, yeah. In really, really horrible ways. So yeah. we'll talk about it. Why in uh, like other colonies like uh, Puerto Rico, right? Is uh no wait, I think. Um. Well, one. I'm just thinking. S- yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, no, we'll, I mean, we'll go everywhere. Over it, but yeah. We love to screw people over. It's our thing. You're not wrong. America's You're not wrong. the best. Yeah, love it. Well, 
those are our <laughs> stories. On that lovely note. Um, you guys can follow us on Instagram at Yikes That's Amazing. Um, and then TikTok, Yikes That's Amazing, amazing pod. pod. And you can also send us an email at Yikes That's Amazing Podcast at gmail.com. Tell us some personal stories of your own. Give us some feedback on what you thought about the episode. Um, things like that. Also, if you would uh, give us a little rating, a little five star rating on uh, Apple Podcast, that Christmas would be time very helpful. Is here. Exactly. It's the time of wants giving. you to give her a five star review. review. Yes. Please. And yeah, put just put in there what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, which of course will be nothing. You can um, put whatever you want in there. You could put the script to the B movie. Yeah, and you could just put a little pee pee poo poo caca action. A little shitting emoji. Yeah, yeah. But as long as it's five stars. As long um, as it's five stars. You're not going to put five stars. Actually, don't put a shitting emoji. Why would I say that? Yeah, just kidding. If it's five stars, I would still be okay with it though. That's a, Yeah, it's fine. Five stars is all we're asking. <laughs> exactly. That's all we ask for. <laughs> all right, anyway, guys. We'll see you next time. Yeah. See you next time with some more cool stories. <laughs>